0: Baldridge with me here today. Brad is a financial expert focusing on what you need to do to prepare to pay for college for your kids. That is in a nutshell what we're going to focus on here today, but Brad, I really appreciate your time and follow what Brad and his team are up to by going to tamingthehighcostofcollege.com. That of course is going to be a clickable link in the show notes, but really appreciate your time here today, Brad.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: So, Brad, this is going to be kind of a hot topic for some people. You know, we are trying to find our financial freedom and provide a little generational wealth. That would also include the concept today how to pay for college. So, if it could you start things off by briefly talking about how you found your way to this niche?
1: Oh, well, sure. So, Long ago, many moons ago, I got involved in real estate myself. That led me to financial planning. That led me to launching a business, which led me to getting out of real estate because I was running a business and real estate just was too much. But then I started focusing on college planning within my financial planning business. And as I focused on it more, the more I realized that families really need what we're doing and it just wasn't out there anywhere else. So it kind of made me unique when I was talking about various college strategies and that type of thing so I launched a podcast you know kind of went all in on the college planning idea and kind of built a business around it
0: you know this is kind of a hot topic because we have seen time and time again the rising costs of higher education and then strapping these young people with bills that are almost impossible to overcome could we start a little bit there regarding when, what are some of those things that people should consider when considering this type of strategy?
1: Right. So, I mean, college is getting expensive and getting more expensive. I mean, that's the bad news. The good news is it's not going up like it used to. You know, 20 years ago when people were just starting to have children that are in college today, they had, you had no idea how expensive college was going to get. So it was kind of a shock that, you know, it grew like healthcare grew very quickly over the last 20 years. That's the bad news. The good news is it's while it's still growing, it's growing at more of a similar to inflation rate right now. So, and I, but that's the net price. So, if you get out there and actually look at the cost of college, the average public school is about 27,000. The average private school is about 57,000. And of course, averages aren't all that useful because you'd never pay average or almost never. But that, you know, the private schools can go as high as almost 90,000 right now. So that's, and yes, that's all for one year of college, but that does include the total cost of attendance, tuition, room and board, books, fees, beer, and pizza. The whole cost of a typical student is kind of rolled into that.
0: So, you know, I've run into a few other people that do something similar. Are there, when somebody is seeking for advice and some help making these type of plannings, what are some of those questions, not only should they ask themselves, or the consultant to make sure it's a good fit.
1: Right. Yeah. So there's right. College consulting in general is a booming and growing industry because college is getting so much more expensive and it's getting more complicated. Now, there's kind of two areas that consultants focus on. One is what, what I do, which is I tend to work with parents and help parents with the how do you plan and pay for college will you get need-based aid and merit aid and should you be saving and investing and all that kind of stuff. So it's all the parent side of college. Then there are a lot of experts out there that help students. Help them figure out what they want to be when they grow up, write their essays, you know, there's test prep and tutoring and all that type of stuff and, you know, for some it's help me get into the Ivy League, for others it's help me get into any college anywhere and there's specialties all across the board in that area as well. So as, you know, that's I think one big one big question is, well, are you working with parents or students? and how do you work with parents and students? That being said, you know the financial side of college is less well known out there. So I certainly would look for some experience, get get some idea if they've how much they've done and because I think what happens with college planning in general is what works for one family is not going to work for the next family unless they are very similar. So and you don't realize that until you've done. 10 or 20 or 30 families. And then you start to realize, okay, well the high income going to the expensive elite school is a lot different than the middle income going to the local state school as an example. So what works for one doesn't work for the other. Mm -hmm.
0: So you, you mentioned, you know, you gave a list of things associated with that 27,000 for public and 57 or 58,000 for private schools. And it, it kind of encompasses everything, including tuition and, and living expenses. Are there other fees and, and other costs associated with that that are kind of hidden that people kind of miss that are big ticket items that they don't take into account when a kid goes to college?
1: Generally not. I mean, that's a, that's an effort to try and get all the costs in there. So the, the obvious cost, you know, the tuition and room and board, the actual bills from the college are certainly included. And then they include books, which, you know, some kids will buy the books, full retail, some kids will rent the books, but they put a number in there for that. And then the final thing is the travel and personal expenses. And, uh, you know, we're talking about personal expenses are laundry and dates and pizza on Friday nights and whatever else. That's the beer and pizza thing, cell phone, all that. But in, in a lot of cases, the student's already doing a lot of that, already has a cell phone, already does their laundry somehow, and somebody's already paying for it. So, It's just a shift of how you do it. It's not like an extra expense. And then travel, I think would be the big one where if you're going to be flying across the country multiple times a year to get to college, that's a lot different than, you know, dad delivering you with the minivan across town or just across the state.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, we are doing real estate investing for that generational wealth situation again, or we're trying to free up our time or plan for our retirement However, because of the, the, the bill here, we also want to try to give our kids things that we didn't have the benefit of. And that could be including helping them pay for, for college. What kind of advice or direction would you give somebody who is afraid that doing so might derail their retirement plans or drain their their savings?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a, a real concern. Again, because... You know, again, I've seen families spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on college and I've seen families, you know, squeak by with 50,000 or 75,000 or even. And again, the rare case where a student doesn't need a lot of help because they got the full ride or they got the fantastic scholarship or whatever it might be. But for the average family, you know, you can assume you're going to spend ten, fifteen thousand 15 thousand dollars out of mom and dad's pocket for each year of college. Unless you have a reason that you're not, you know, I've got an athlete that's gonna get a full full ride scholarship. Okay, well, you know, then you're not gonna pay. But for most families, it's not unusual to pay fifteen, twenty, twenty-five thousand a year, especially when you get to the middle income, middle income and up type families. Now, at the lower incomes, there are certainly other aid, things like the Pell Grant and federal aid, as well as state aid, which can take a big bite out of that fifteen, twenty thousand but a lot of families don't qualify for it. So then obviously, if you're not going to qualify for it, you can't count on it.
0: You know, one of the things that's kind of in a political upheaval right now is the forgiveness of student loans. Could you talk a little bit about maybe some of that, what's going on in our society regarding these promises? It's been struck down once by the Supreme Court. Now it's kind of resurrected again in another form. Do you think this is something that I don't want to say parents could count on, but it seems to be kind of a lottery system when it comes to that type of thing right now.
1: Right. Yeah. I don't know how to give advice about, well, they might forgive the loan. <laughs> I think you're much better off to have a solid plan so that you don't you're not relying on forgiveness. Plus, what I think a lot of people don't realize is the student can only borrow fifty five hundred as a freshman and sixty five hundred as a sophomore and seventy five hundred as a junior and senior. So that's the type of loans that they're talking about forgiving. On top of that, parents can borrow under the PLUS loan system. Now, that system generally has a lot less forgiveness built into it, if any at all. So it's important you understand all the different rules. But yes, your student might be able to get forgiven at some point, or maybe, maybe you can get involved in the working in the nonprofit and charities and that type of thing, or working in a high-need school district. There's all these different programs with it where they're trying to get people to work in certain areas and forgive loans because of it. And those are all well and good, but it's really hard with a 17-year-old to say, well, this is what I'm going to do when I'm 23 and working in the real world. So I, therefore, I can borrow this money knowing it's going to get forgiven. So I you know, generally recommend that you assume that you're going to have to pay it back. And then if it happens to be that you know, the charitable route works out or you end up in that right school district or whatever it is, then great. I mean that's icy on the cake, but it's not like baked into the plan. Where if it doesn't work out, the plan fails.
0: So you you know you've given us some relatively small numbers that they're talking about there. You know the fifty five hundred to seventy five hundred. I think it was kind of the range. And and but then you on the flip side, we're talking about that schools can cost anywhere from twenty seven thousand a year to to fifty seven thousand a year. Is that fifty five hundred for example? Is that like on a, a Semester basis, or is that yearly
1: that that that's the max that can really that's an annual number, right? So a typical okay. state school, let's say, you know use that average of twenty seven thousand A freshman could borrow fifty five hundred maybe they could work summers and weekends or whatever and make another four or five thousand. So now we're from that twenty seven down to seventeen thousand if they can cover ten thousand between the loan and what they earn, mm-hmm. and that's where a lot of middle income families stand, and that's why I'm saying it's not unusual for families to have to pay. 15, 20, 25,000, depending on your state and what the price is at your state school, that is the big impact, I think. As far as like Illinois, some of their schools are in the 30, 32, 34,000 range, and California's UW or UC schools are very expensive. So there's higher prices as well in some of the state schools. And then there's the lower cost states too, where it's substantially lower and there's a lot of state benefits. That help reduce the cost as well.
0: So Brad, you know, we've been talking about a lot of strategies here so far, but I think a lot of people are going to, are struggling with the concept of balancing their retirement versus helping pay for these, for the college costs. Can you talk a little bit about what parents or people need to do in order to plan for this so it doesn't impact their retirement?
1: Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, I hear a lot You know, our number one goal is retirement. Our number two goal is pay for college. And then, when you actually look at what's going on for some families, they're they're doing a great job, right? They've got a lot of retirement figured out and a lot of college figured out. But for many families, they're not doing either one, right? They say that's what they want to do, but when you look at where their money is going, it's not going towards college or retire. So I think a lot of families just need to really understand, you know, what they can do as far as you know, planning and paying for college, but. it's gonna require some of your cash flow or require some of your resources. It's not magic, right? If you we do the math often and sometimes it's a for a family, it's like, okay, well, you need to be saving fifteen hundred a month towards retirement. And then based on where you are and what you retire and your college goals, we need another two thousand for paying for college. And some families will look at me and say, Well, that's thirty five hundred. That's impossible. There's no way. Even though they might earn two hundred, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars a year. And other families would say, oh, okay, well, we're already saving 2000 a month towards retirement, and we're already saving 1000 towards college. So based on that, you know, we can shift a little here, shift a little there, and make it all come together. But what I see a lot, and I do a lot of what I would call late-stage college planning, which is I'm working with parents of high school kids trying to figure it out. And I don't care how much you earn. For a lot of families, you've learned how to spend it. You know, I'll sit down with someone that earns $200,000 a year and say, we've got no money for college. And the next person I talk to says, well, we earn 150000 We have no money for college. But the guy you talked to earlier, we had 200000 Well, if we had that kind of money, we'd have college covered, no problem. Mm-hmm. But that's the challenge, right, is as income climbs, so does our lifestyle typically. And for a lot of families, we need to understand how that works. And again, factor that in when we make that decision. of should we buy a bigger house or remodel the house or sign up for the more expensive vacations or buy, you know, more cars or whatever it might be. And especially when we spend money on the kids, you know, that's another, I guess, shock for a lot of people is spending a lot of money on that private school doesn't automatically translate into college savings, despite what they tell you about, oh, you know, a whole bunch of people that attended this high school got a whole bunch of scholarships, which is probably true. What they don't tell you is a whole bunch of people attending the public school across the street also got a bunch of scholarships, often very similar. It's just that the public schools don't have the time and don't put the effort into tailing them up and figuring out who got the scholarships and how much they were.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I'd be curious as to, you know, since you have a bit different insight on this, like we, we ta- we've been taking advantage of PSEO, if you're, fam- if you're familiar, and it might be dependent on state associated with that but my daughter is going to be able to take like her she she started her junior year now it's full-time her senior year at the local at the local college and she's going to have like her first year two years taken care of there just by taking advantage of that of that system Mm -hmm. like do you see a lot of people more and more taking advantage of that some I just seem to run into people that when I bring it up it's like the first time they've ever heard of
1: it Yes. Right. So I think what you're talking about is the courses in high school somehow count towards college credit.
0: Well, in my in my state, she actually goes to the college.
1: Right. Exactly. But in in essence, you're using your high school time to take college courses or. So there's lots of different programs like that across the country where high schools are partnered with local community colleges where you get various credit right. for what you're doing in high school and sometimes it is literally you're going to the college and taking the courses sometimes it's more about the college comes to you and somebody from the college comes to the high school right or the high, it's the same high school teachers they've just gotten approved to create a course that would count towards college credit so that's right. a lot of the states are now trying to do these partnerships so that students can can gain skills and so forth while in high school And those systems, you know, again, they have their place and they're certainly a great path for some, but not for everyone. And then there's also the AP system or the advanced placement where you take certain courses. And then when you finish the course, you take a test. Usually it's scored between one and five. And if you get a four or five, you might get credit for that course at a certain college. So you might test out of Calc 1 or Calc AB and then start with Calc 2 while you're in college but you get four credits of calculus because you were able to test out of that Calc course. And there's lots of AP choices around, you know, math and science and, you know, chemistry and physics and language and foreign language and all those types of things. So there's lots of these different programs. So, and I think that's one of the reasons that college planning is getting yet another reason it's getting more complicated because there's these programs that the students can take advantage of around getting credits and that type of thing. And again, for some, It's, it doesn't help that much because yes, you get a whole bunch of, you know, a nurse would be a great example. So a nursing curriculum says you must take all these things. And if you test out of a whole bunch of Spanish, they'll say, great, we'll give you credit for Spanish, but Spanish credit is going to help you become a nurse. You still have to Mm -hmm. take all the same courses that nurses take because there's these skills that you need to have. And so you'll graduate instead of with 120 credits, you'll graduate with 140 credits because you've got all these extra credits for things that really aren't helping you in your nursing degree. So I think Mm -hmm. that's the challenge is understanding how it will help you and what colleges will take your coursework and that type of thing. And But again, it's a great strategy, just like some some kids will live at home and go to the community college or some local college for a year or two. Another good strategy, that one, what I find is there's a lot of parents that if they could avoid it, if the kid could go directly to the college and get that college experience. I think a lot of parents are are looking for that. It's one of the reasons, you know, in my opinion, that college is so expensive is because there's a lot of parents willing to pay the price to give their students that on-campus experience. And if it's expensive, then you know I'm one of them. I, I'm will just have to pay it. I guess that's and on campus in college right now. Mm-hmm. Get go back and forth. My wife does the same thing, but we decided that he gets to go live on campus and spread his wings a little bit.
0: Sure. I I saw somewhere where you even talked about there's there's strategies or ways in which to lower the cost of some of these private schools so that they might be comparable to the public schools. Could you share a few of those strategies?
1: Sure. So, I mean, there's a lot of strategies and tactics, hundreds, where, you know, if you do this, it'll save you a little bit here. If you do that, it'll save money. I think the challenge for a lot of families is figuring out which strategies will apply to you. And then depending on your family situation, again, you have a student that wants to go all over the country. Now you've got extra work to do because you've got to look at colleges all over the place as compared to the student that's gonna stay in town or stay within an hour drive. Well, there's only so many colleges you can consider in that situation. Another great example is, you know, your focus, the real estate focus. You know, if you own rental real estate or whatever in the real estate markets. That's extra work to do. You have to do what everybody else does. Plus, now you have to understand, well, are there some strategies around real estate that will help me pay for college? And the answer is yes, there's lots of strategies around real estate or business ownership or both that can help, but they don't fit for everybody. And I think that's the big challenge. But to give you an example, a lot of private schools offer aid. So if your student is in the top 20% of applicants, they might get a ten dollars or twenty dollars or $30,000 scholarship so that average school I mean I have a private school at 60,000 becomes 40,000 or 30,000 and all of a sudden you're saying I can go to the state school for 28 or I can go to this private school for 32 for a lot of families you'd say well it's close enough that we'll pick the one we like not necessarily the one that's the lowest cost which is how we generally do things in a lot of areas right we don't all drive the cheapest car we can find we have requirements right. like my wife absolutely needs heated seats if there, you know no seat, no heated seats. It's not a good car. Doesn't matter about any of the rest. And it's the same around college, right? We certain things that we want to have, and perhaps we're willing to pay some for it or pay more for it. So you know, if you think about the end of the process in college, a lot of students will apply to five or six or ten colleges, and they'll get accepted to certainly more than one. And we see this situation where it's like I can go to this school for twenty two thousand, and this school for twenty four, and this school for twenty eight. And then these schools over here are 42 and 48, and then this one is 75. And then sometimes parents will say the 75 is out no matter what. I mean, that's crazy. And then, but is it worth jumping from 28 to 40? I don't know. You know, what is the value you're looking for? And does it have certain things that are important? And for many families, especially as you get to upper middle income and up where it's like, okay, well, this is why we work so hard so that we have these choices. You know, we don't have to drive the cheapest car. We can buy a nicer car. We, You know, our vacations could be a little nicer, whatever it is. So now we get into that, is it worth it? And that's in the eye of the beholder, right? Mm -hmm. That crazy expensive $200,000 sports car, a lot of people will see that and say, well, that's a waste of money. But the guy driving it doesn't think it's a waste of money. He bought it. So, and again, same can be said about education. Some people will say X is not worth it anymore. And yes, there's rate of return calculations where you can quote unquote prove it. But again, it's a lot more complicated for most people than that.
0: Sure. Just to remind everybody, head over to tamingthehighcostofcollege.com to learn a little bit more about what Brad is up to there. And Brad, do you have some resources on that page yep. as well that people could take advantage of?
1: Yeah. So, right. So, something that would fit right into what we're talking about is I've got a cost of colleges by state at my website. So you can you know, download essentially a PDF, or you can look at it right on the website of, you know, here's all the state schools and what their price tag is. And then it also will show you the average net price for various incomes. So it might say if your income is between zero and twenty-five thousand, you average seven thousand. But if your income is hundred and ten thousand plus, it might average twenty-three thousand or twenty-five thousand. And again, that's based on when your income is very low, you might get need-based aid and that brings your costs down. Whereas if your income is higher, then you, you don't get as much aid. So, sure. again, it's a great way for people that are just starting out to kind of get an idea of, well, what is a college budget, you know, appropriate for us as far as at our income and our situation? And you can look at, you know, NYU averages $50,000 for people that earn more than $110,000, let us say. Whereas the state school in your state might average 22000 if you're in a lower cost state or 32000 if you're in a higher cost state. Sure. So, you know, you briefly
0: mentioned some of the benefits of owning real estate or a business on how to pay for this. Could you touch briefly on what some of those benefits could be? Right.
1: So some of the main categories would be like financial aid. So financial aid is based on your income and your assets. And if you're a business owner, a rental property owner, that type of thing, you have a little bit of control on your income and your assets where you might be able to shift things around in order to qualify for more aid in some situations and there's a lot of tax strategies i mean again a lot of rental owners are dealing with it already because they're trying to save taxes where they can but you can layer on top of that including your student in the mix so now as an example small business owners could set up a tuition reimbursement plan so mom works in real estate she's a realtor and she's buying and selling real estate earning commissions Small business works by herself. She then says, oh, I'm setting up a tuition reimbursement plan for all my employees. And then the next week, her 17-year-old goes to work for her. And he runs around and sets up signs and does cleaning or whatever can you know a 17-year-old can do. And she pays him well, first of all, and that helps on taxes. But then on top of that, she sets up a tuition re- reimbursement plan that says, if you go back to college and get an A, I'll reimburse you. If you get a B, I'll reimburse you. If you get an F, I'll reimburse you just like the big companies that have those programs. But again, it's a learning process. You have to understand how that program will work and implement it. And of course, for some business owners, you have to be fair. So you have to provide it to all of your employees, not just the employees that happen to be your relation. And there's some other rules along that. But again, it's a strategy. Will it work for everyone? No, but it works great for some.
0: Sure. I would imagine that's where you kind of step in too. You gotta people need a little guidance and direction or consultation associated with some of these strategies.
1: Right, absolutely. Right, is when you get to the more complex business owner strategies and tax planning and all that type of thing. Again, and you know, lots of people understand it and can do it themselves. I've got a number of people I work with that just don't want to do it themselves. It's like, well, I'm better off. You know, go finding the next deal, and what I know than trying to figure out college because I've only got two kids, and once I've, you know, all that effort is kind of a waste. I'll only use it twice. Whereas if I learn how to market my real estate better, or learn how to find a better deal, or whatever it is, that I can use over and over and over again. Whereas, you know, learning more about college is kind of a waste of time for some.
0: Right? No, it's it's just part of that investment strategy again. I think I. I've, I would almost say that the listeners are probably getting tired of me stating that is that just exactly what you said, you got to start to value our time and where our skills are and then rely on others that where their skills are, you know, it's, and it's, it's an investment more than it is anything else. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I've seen around here quite a bit, and and it's probably because I've bought a, quite a few of these houses, is that the parents will buy a house or a rental property near the college, hold it for the four or five years that their kid is going to that college, and then sell it when the when that when the kid is is done? Yeah. I guess that'd be one way to minimize the the cost of living?
1: Yes, absolutely, and then you pay the student to manage the property, right. so on top of that, you might get you know it might be a terrible money loser for mom and dad, but a great boon for taxes and other things depending on how things all work out. Now, my caution there is you really need to understand, especially if it's a property that the student and his, his or her friends are living in, is what it's like to rent to college students, right? Because they don't mm-hmm. necessarily treat things well. And they don't necessarily have much of a credit rating or other things that they're concerned about. So people that get involved in that, a lot of times they don't rent to the student, they rent to their parents. i let the student stay there. So they've got somebody with some deeper pockets and more concern on the hook, as an example. Right, and then, like I said, it it can work out very well, but it's also in some of those markets where there's high demand, the you know the prices might seem a little out of reach or a little unusual, again because of the strong rental market. So, but I've seen it work, you know, reasonably well, and I've seen it a little bit where maybe it didn't work out as well as planned, so to speak. Mm. And that's true of all real estate deals, right? Is we do the best we can. Sometimes they turn out great. Sometimes they don't. And if you've been in real estate long enough, you've got the the win and you've got the loss that you can talk about.
0: Right. Well, Brad, this has been a great conversation. Before I let you go, we'll just jump into the rapid fire questions and wrap this episode up. But before I do, let's head everybody over to tamingthehighcostofcollege.com. Again, that is going to be a clickable link in the show notes. But, if you're ready, Brad, can you share us a lie real estate investors or business owners tell themselves and others?
1: Next year will be better
0: <laughs> That's a lie.
1: I think sometimes it is. I mean, especially when it's like, well, next year will be better, but I'm not gonna do anything to make it better. I just assume it's you know right it's it's that it's out of my control, but next year will be better, just magically, you know. Mm-hmm you know that I lost money but I'll make it up in volume
0: sure but do I you have I, a book recom- do you have a book recommendation or what are you reading right now
1: i'm listening to the new book about tom tom watson the f- one, you know the there's two tom watsons that founded ibm the father and then his son and the son is the key character in the book because he's the one that did all the computing and all that kind of stuff from the ivm from his dad but so that's very i'm finding that quite interesting and then i guess the book that i recommend you know is the four-hour work week as far as a way to kind of get you know get your mindset shift a little bit around working on the business versus in the business
0: sure what is one tool in your business or personal life you cannot live without
1: Wow, well, i got a lot of those but i've got a lot of, you know something that I find interesting is the I've got software now that's very powerful around tax planning so it doesn't do taxes per se it just helps you do the what-ifs of well if I do it this way or do it that way you know how does that change the taxes and you know should we do a Roth conversion it's new you know newer on the market it's fantastic it's becoming a big part of my practice now Mm -hmm. if
0: you could go back in time and give your younger self one piece of advice what would that be
1: Don't sweat the details, just ship it or post it or get it out in the world.
0: Massive, imperfect action. That's how I describe
1: it. Yeah, that works.
0: What single strategy, process, or tool have you implemented that has had a direct time-saving impact on your business and how?
1: I mean, we're constantly, you know, kind of the four-hour work week, building processes around, you know, repeatable tasks or whatever they might be so that they get done, you know, right. The first time, time after time. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I mean, lots of that of this is how we set up an account or this is how we transfer money or this is how we do that or whatever it might be.
0: Well, Brad, is there a question or concept you wished we would have covered here today?
1: No, I think we hit the high points. I guess the most, I guess what we didn't talk about is get started earlier than the, than you think. So it's, You know, it's not unusual for me to recommend families start seriously visiting colleges in their sophomore year of high school. And again, it doesn't have to necessarily be the colleges that the student wants to attend, but just, hey, let's go look at a college because you've probably never seen one before. And when I ask you later on, do you want a big college or a small college? Most students will look at you and say, well, I don't know what's a big college look like or what's a small college look like. They've never seen one. So getting out there and jumping in from a student side, it's sophomore year. And the parents can go even sooner than that as far as even freshman year of will we get aid? How are we going to pay for this? But so just do it and do it earlier than we did it as parents. A lot of us didn't think about much about college till end of junior year or even senior year. I think students need to, you know, start tipping their toes in it sophomore year and parents maybe as early as freshman year especially if you're a real estate owner and you've got a lot of different strategies you could use and hiring the kids in the business, that's a great strategy that can start when they're 12 or 13 or whatever the rules are in your state. So a lot of these strategies can start well before college actually starts.
0: Well, again, Brad, it was great chatting with you, tamingthehighcostofcollege.com, but really appreciate meeting you and uh, hope we'll chat again sometime.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Have you learned at
0: least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing? If so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.